pace of life that has changed with the advent of navigation apps on most of our phones and in our cars is following people someplace. Um, and what it means to be like with a group of people, it's like, hey, let's go here. It's like, I don't know where that is. Okay, I'll follow you. And in my experience with this, I had experience with this, um, a lot of people had different leading um, philosophies. And some were very concerned and like would focus on the speed limit and be very, like if there was a yellow light, they would always stop and always have their, like the rear view mirror would be aimed at the person following. And others kind of thought of it was a game, would, like race through yellow lights, <laughs> make a lot of extra turns, go in a lot of wonky directions, thinking about like, I bet this guy's really freaking out right now. He's going to be so funny when we get there. Um, just different, di different, different perspectives and philosophies of, of leading someone. But if you're driving behind somebody and they make a turn and then they make another turn and make another turn to the point that you question where you are going to begin with, how much longer are you going to follow that person? How much longer did you follow them? At some point, you have to stop and reassess what you are doing. The last days of Jesus' life took a few turns that very few of his followers were expecting. First, the arrest. They didn't really expect that. Then the trial and crucifixion, and then the resurrection and, and return. And I imagine the disciples thought that life would just continue on after that. It was great. And then it took another turn, and he ascended, and then, and then he sent the Holy Spirit. And at Pentecost, the Spirit descended to the church, and new disciples were made. They met and shared with one accord, and then it took another turn. They realized that a group of people needed to be set aside to care for widows and orphans. They distributed food. They called these people deacons, which means servants in Greek. And they gathered a group of seven of them. And then they passed, the path turned once again. Stephen was one of the first deacons. He was offered a chance to deny Jesus, and he did not. And the Christian faith took another turn that day. That was what we were reading in the passage for today. Jesus, when he called his disciples, said, follow me. A disciple means a student. A disciple is one who follows another, whichever the turn they make. To be a Christian is to be a follower. In our world today, who wants to be a follower? My friends, we are, we are finishing this season, this series for the season of Easter on what do we do now? Not that we have all the answers. <laughs> We're just, we, have to, we have to continue on. I think this is a continuous question for the church and for this church specifically. We were, we're looking at the book of Acts in the beginning of it when the disciples were left with this question after Jesus' ascension. What do we do now? We were following our master, and then he's no longer with us. And for our church, we're still we're wrestling and continuing to, to wrestle with this question, what do we do now? And today, we're looking at discipleship and what discipleship means. I'm sure many of you have had bosses at some point in your life who made a decision that you disagreed with in some form or fashion. You knew it would turn out bad, and you were right, and it did. And you just had to bite your lip because they were the boss. If we look at both Jesus and Stephen, it seems like the decisions that they made turned out bad. Like, let's just look at it from an objective perspective. Jesus comes, heals, preaches, loves, and they kill him for it. Stephen brings water to widows and orphans, and they stone him for it. From the point of view of an everyday citizen of Jerusalem, the decisions of Jesus and Stephen both turned out bad. They would have had much more productive lives 
if they hadn't done this or that. And if you're, if you're on a boat together and you want to trust the captain, you want to trust that the captain knows where you're going. But if they keep on making a lot of turns that are unexpected, you, you question yourself. You may not think you know where they're going. They're taking you to a different place entirely. And there's usually an issue with that. God never promises we're going anywhere, save an end in God's presence. The journey is not offered as a promise in the scriptures. Over and over again throughout the Gospels, Jesus says that there will be suffering and persecution. There will be divisions and struggle. And yet we, we often selectively hear and read just the comfortable aspects of faith. And that's, I love it. I love the comfort. I, I go for the comfort. I yearn for the comfort. The world has enough struggle in itself. But, but Jesus is honest about the reality of the life of this world, of the brokenness of this world, of our, of our need, continuous need for Jesus. In the end, it doesn't come down to whether we like it or not, whether we like Jesus' talk of, of divisions and persecutions or not, but is it, is it true or not? Is Jesus God or not? Did Jesus rise from the dead or not? Because if he didn't rise from the dead, then none of it matters. If following him, and following him is just as good as following another person. It's a nice set of moral values to pass along, be kind, don't steal, help people on the side of the road. But if Jesus did rise from the dead, and we're in the season of Easter, so we should be thinking about this. If, if Jesus did rise from the dead, then discipleship is different and looks different than just following a set of values. Most examples of following Jesus are much more of the moral kind of leader than the Stephen kind. The what would Jesus do bracelets of my own childhood were all about ethical behavior. <laughs> they weren't about martyrdom. Sure, we have stories of Christians being persecuted across the world, and that is dreadful, but the, the reality of, of the church today is still this choice between following Jesus as kind of like morally um, extra, being a little extra morally, or, or leading a life that, that makes an end like, like Stephen. Remember, Stephen was a deacon. He wasn't an evangelist. He wasn't going around and knocking on doors and telling people about Jesus. He was taking water to widows and orphans, and he was stopped for it. He was set aside to care for widows and orphans. He was ordained for this. Acts chapter 6 starts in this way. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the distribution of food. So the twelve gathered together, all the disciples, and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven from among you who are known to be full of spirit and wisdom. We will turn over this responsibility to them. We will give them our attention to pray and prayer and the ministry. We give over our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. And Stephen was one, the first one called. It later says in chapter 6, now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders among the people. Opposition, however, arose from members of the synagogue and Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces, who began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom that the Spirit gave him to speak. The wonders and signs that Stephen performed had to do with caring for widows and orphans. He was stopped because he was caring for widows and orphans. And when asked why he was doing, he confessed the whole story of Jesus Christ. 
He starts, Acts chapter 7 is this beautiful narrative. He starts with Abraham, tells the story of Israel and faith and the meaning leading up to the promise fulfilled in Jesus Christ. To follow Jesus is to re-narrate our lives in light of Jesus. This is what Stephen does when he's, when he's attacked by the Sanhedrin. He doesn't shy away. He, he was serving widows and orphans. The men in charge were offended by this. They were offended by this. They confront him, and he doesn't shy away. Stephen was persecuted for living out his faith, for serving too much, for loving too much, for giving too much, because Jesus rose from the dead, for being immoderate in his kindness, immoderate in his love, because Jesus rose from the dead. He cared so much, he was a threat to the civic order. He was a threat to the civic order of the place. He cared so much for the widows and orphans. I think that also reminded the leaders of the community they weren't caring enough about the forgotten of the city. They didn't need someone pointing a spotlight on their own mistakes. There's a way that Stephen was stopped as much because he was a deacon as because he confessed Jesus Christ. As God, they go together. You cannot separate them. Stephen wasn't just trying to be a good person or to find his meaning in life. He had the love of Jesus in his heart. He was trying to be holy. He was trying to be set apart for God. You see, there's a line that all of us reach when we're just trying to be a good person. From some of us, that line is further than it is for others. When we're trying, but for all of us, when we're trying to just do good, we hit a wall. And I think this is a universal reality of, of humanity. It's like in any religion, Muslim, Buddhist, Jews, it doesn't matter your religion, you're going to hit a wall if you're just trying to be a decent person. The Christian faith is not just about being a good person, because we also hit that wall. John Wesley had this great sermon called The Almost Christian. It's, it talks about the limits of just trying to be a good person. Going to church, praying with your family, giving to the poor, doing the things of God. Wesley mentions how pagans also do a lot of these things, but it's structured in these two ways of what is an almost Christian. An almost Christian is one, they, they do the things, they, they show up for church, they sit on the committees, they, they pay their tithe, they give what they can, they do their service, but it's not quite there. He then compares the almost Christian to the all-together Christian. And the all-together Christian, the difference is love and assurance. The love of God should abroad in their heart and the confidence and assurance in Christ's offering for us. Doing this not out of concern for, for myself or, or anxiety about what I should do, but because of the confidence of Jesus Christ. This is seen with Stephen. He was confident enough in Christ's love to offer mercy to even his persecutors at the time of his death. Not because he was a good person, but because the Holy Spirit was with him. We should not be satisfied with hitting the wall of being a decent person. I mean, we should try to get there. And at least, Lord knows, a lot of us don't even get to that wall of trying to be a decent person. But we should not be satisfied there. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, it doesn't really matter. But if he did, we don't have to be satisfied there. We can give more of ourselves for others. We can share more of our life with others. We can share more of our life 
with our family and children and friends, we can give more of a life than just keeping up with our neighbors, making sure we have the latest utilities, the latest vacations, the latest cars, all these kinds of things. Jesus called people together to do this thing called discipleship. It's a communal act centered on the person of Jesus Christ, the sharing of his word, the offering of his body and blood. It's not just a thing up here. It's not just a thing you do at home. It's not just something you do in a small group. It's not just something you do for a prayer over breakfast. It's not just something you do on a retreat or on a mountaintop. It's not just something for the valley when you feel like you're in the trenches and you need to call out to God. It is for the gathered people here. It is for us and wherever we are to share the body and blood of Jesus Christ and to go forth as students, open to the movements of God around us. Jesus calls us to follow him, and that path is windy. That path is windy. And according to the world, it is absurd. Why follow Jesus if the path ends up like Stephen or if it ends up like the cross? But let us have faith in the path Jesus has for us, that it is worthwhile if our mind is not set on the things of the world, but on the things of God, and we see our neighbors as children of God, not as objects for our satisfaction, and we see the world as a gift from God, worthy of our care and attention. Let us be willing to follow God to the foot of the cross. Let us not follow just by being a decent person. Let us seek to be holy, to be set aside by God for a purpose in this world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you offer us not just life, but abundant life. Help us to follow you even when life turns, because we trust you more than life itself. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.